The views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And happy, 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 happy New Year to all of you out there. And I think it's just absolutely incredible that we get to have the lives, the absolutely amazing lives we have here today joining me on the show. This is going to be a great, great show we've got planned for you. Um, first of all, let me say to all of you out there, a big thank you for all of you. This is, for those of you that want to uh, to hear a little trivia, today marks uh, the first day of our 10th year on radio uh, with the Dr. Pat Show. So 2013, you're going to be hearing from us in a lot of interesting ways. For those people out there that absolutely thought to themselves, okay, these people will never be able to continue this positive, uplifting talk business. We give them a couple months and they're pretty much going to be gone. What we want to say to all of you is, we hope you are liking the show these days, 10 years later. And honestly, if it wasn't for all of you out there that turn us, uh, tune us in and turn us on, um, we wouldn't be here. So we promise, and it has always been our commitment, to bring you the best of the best. That is our goal. And our thanks to all of the networks out there, networks like BBS Radio that we're broadcasting tonight from and, and WBLQ and KKNW and CRN and all of, you, all of you folks out there that play our show. Thank you so much. I want to give a shout out to our Australia, you know, Australia um, affiliates out there. I want to say, Sean, good day to you and thank you so much for picking this show up and bringing it out internationally. Today's show is all about the yes. It's all about taking our lives and, and, and looking at it and thinking to ourselves, you know, what is this about? Am I destined for a life of misery and discomfort or can I create the life that I desire? Elizabeth Hanley is joining us here today. And for many of you out there, you might be asking yourselves a lot of questions about this year, about what you're, you're calling forth. But here's the question. If you could have the best possible life journey, if you could have that by following four simple tips, would you? 
Now, my very special guest, this incredible author, Elizabeth Hanley, Hanley, joining us here today. You know, we're going to share this with you. Believe it or not, some of you out there would say, you know what? I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would take these four simple tips. I don't know that I would say yes to my life. And why is it? And what is it about life that you hear so often people say, no problem. But at the same time as they say it, they're burning and churning inside. They don't really understand how to take their lives to the place they wanted to go. And, and at the same time, they look to other people, places, and things for what we call our destiny. Elizabeth's joining us here today. She is an amazing author. And you're going to hear about her story. But here's the question. No one, no one out there can have the life they desire if they don't want it and they don't believe in it. So today, today is an invitation and get ready to get a taste of this incredible author and amazing inspirational, inspirational coach. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, Dr. Patman. Hello, Seattle, and happy 2013. Yeah, you know what our theme is this year, right? We Every year we have a theme. And so this year our theme is living the dream in 2013. Not dreaming yet, not creating it, but living it. And let's talk about that. You know, what has your life been like, Elizabeth? What is it that enabled you to be on the road you're, you're at, what was it that, that helped you say yes to the life that you wanted? Well, as you mentioned um, in your introduction, um, life can be miserable at times. <laughs> and I think problems create, can create quite a bit of misery in our lives. And um, I think many people can, can agree with that. I absolutely can we can agree with that and you know it's so fascinating we're pretty quick to agree with the misery in our lives you know what I'm saying you ever see two people get together and one of them says oh, I had the worst day of my life and the other person next to him says oh me too and before you know it they don't even know each other but they're spending the next two hours talking to each other as if they known each other for for almost their entire lives what is it about misery that loves company? Well, the, with problems, I mean, obviously they make us feel negative, they make us feel upset, and that's natural, and we all have to go through that phase, but we don't have to stay in that phase. And that's where I learned the most valuable lessons in my life. I learned how to get out of that misery phase, and what I call is focus on solution with the four simple tips that you mentioned. So let's let's ask this question, uh, or let's explore this for a minute, if we could. You, you know, everybody has has looked at this interesting 2012, right? 2012, the year, uh, the year that wasn't supposed to happen, and certainly 2000. Well, actually, 2013 is the year that wasn't supposed to be, uh, given that 2012 people looked at as sort of the ending of things. You know, let me let me ask you this. What is your take on the whole idea of 2012 and our obsession with really putting that to bed? Well, as, as with life, I think that the past can teach us lessons. 
and that when things go wrong, when we do encounter problems, um, problems are lessons in a way, and that um, if we don't look at them, if we don't try to understand them, then unfortunately we can relive them. And I don't know if you've heard um, of an author called Scott Peck, uh, The Road Less yes. Travel. Have you heard yes. of him? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm a librarian, and um, how my book came to be No Problem, How to Focus on Solution, is I started wanting to have a, a happier life and be able to deal with my problems so I wouldn't be, you know, miserable and struggling from one problem to another. And one of the one of the books that I started reading, and you know, I read over 200, the first one was actually Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled. And in that book he says that life is a series of problems. And once you accept this, once you realize this, then problems won't matter. You won't be so overwhelmed by them. You won't be shocked by them. And that really woke me up. So now when something goes wrong, I don't think, oh, why me? Um, why, why am I the victim? Because it's happening to everyone. Everyone goes through problems. Everyone has times where things go wrong. Now that I know this, when something goes wrong, my attitude is, oh, this has gone wrong. How can I fix it? So I've totally changed my attitude when it comes to running into a problem. And I think that's what we need to learn. Problems are going to come, and that's okay. Our focus needs to be on how can I deal with this and move on. So let's talk about this from from your point of view, your life. You know, I, I've I, a lot of the information I've seen it calls you a superhero librarian. How did you get that title? Well, I guess because of a, I've, I've, I deal with information, and I've got um, I've been a librarian for uh, over thirty years now. So I, um, I I I've read a lot, and I've I've done a lot of research, and. This book actually came about because I had a lot of problems at work. We were going through a recession at the time. Yeah. And um, we were told one in three of us would lose our jobs. We didn't know who, and we wouldn't know for six months. And can you imagine what the what the um, the, the atmosphere was like in that job? <laughs> oh, believe me, I've and, been through it. I, I lost my job yeah. after 25 years, and then they kept us there to train the new people for three months. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that was very hard to go through. Yes, it is. It yes. was. And I was a team leader. I had ten staff, so not only did I have to worry about my own future, but I had all these unhappy people to leave to where you may ask. <laughs> so I started started reading. I read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I started reading not only to help myself but to be a better manager and a better life manager as well. So, you know, one of the things that I, that I love that we're talking about, it's really interesting, right? And, you know, growing up, uh, you know, for me, and I've, I've shared this on air before, by the way, Elizabeth, I'll just tell, tell you real quick, is that I, I come from a background where if, if, we, if I were to be categorized today in today's education system, they would call me learning different. That's a nice way to say learning disability, right? So now oh, politically correct, you say learning different. Um, because for me, part of, uh, of my thing was I had a really hard time reading. And the reason is that I didn't read words. I saw them, right? That, that's now turned out to be a gift given the, the, the field that I'm in on radio because I see what you say. So I don't have to process it um, through the normal uh, realm of things because I actually can see it. But when you're in school, it doesn't work so well. So one of the things that I learned, though, is that 
I was able to talk to, and I don't know if you heard the beginning where I said this is our 10th year doing this, the Dr. Pat show. Yes. That's amazing, yeah. amazing achievement. I tend to end close to 6,000 interviews. So I've read wow. in my own way and interviewed 6,000 people as you did. And, and I wanted to ask you this. As you put this book together, no problem, you've come across a lot of authors. I want to ask you, what were some of the surprises you found? What, what, what would you say after doing all the reading and the research that you've done? You know, just like with me, what I've discovered 6,000 interviews later, what did you discover after all is said well, and done? Probably the two, uh, well, the discoveries that, that I personally benefit from are, are each in the, in the tips. And um, one of the main discoveries, um, it came from, um, you've heard of Anthony Robbins? Um, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's a great speaker. He's an amazing person. And I read his books, and um, it took me a while to read those books. He's got a lot of information, right. amazing information, but as I said, there's a lot. So I really had to find the nuggets that would help me. And the thing that I learned from him is how to take um, responsibility for my problems. And I didn't realize what taking responsibility meant till I read, read about his work. And um, I remember he, said, uh, t- he tells a story in his book about when he was first starting off um, doing all his, his speaking engagements, he had a business manager look after his finances. Unfortunately, that business manager embezzled from him. And um, he, 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 was ba- um, he was going to go bankrupt. They said to him, well, you can't do anything. You're just going to have to declare bankruptcy. But he refused to do that. Instead, he took responsibility and he said, look, I'm the one that hired that fellow. I know he did the wrong thing, but I, I'm the one that made the decision. I hired him. I didn't look after my money. I didn't check what he was doing. And I thought that was amazing because he didn't blame in the book. He didn't say this person was a this and that and whatever. It's all their fault. I failed. He turned it around and said, what did I do that created this, this problem? So that opened my eyes to all my problems. So whenever I have a problem, I look at what was my role in it. And by right. that, it's just amazing how you can see oh, this is why this happened, I made this decision which led to this, and you can see how that the solution is also within your power. And that's in what I call the own tip. So when we look at this and we look at places of responsibility, isn't it interesting, Elizabeth, don't you find it really interesting, fascinating, you know, what we pick up, what we can learn from some of the books that we are reading, especially in this day and age, we're all so connected now. And, you know, including your book, we're all so connected now. And and we're on this search to make sure that we have things in our daily lives that help us get through what seems to be the gloom and doom some days for people, a level of anxiety. Hi, uh, you know, I, I can only talk to this country, right? I mean, our stress level through the hoop, our disease rate on autoimmune disease through the hoop. And so people are looking for books, you know, such as the one that you wrote to say, wait a minute. There's got to be a solution so I do not live my life walking on eggshells every day. What have you found in, in the world now since you've written this book? What, what have people said to you? Well, as a librarian, the one thing that, that I learned um, and mm-hmm. which actually formed the book is people aren't reading or they're not finding the information they need. And, mm. and there's a lot of information out there. That's one of the problems. There's so much information they don't know where to start. 
And some of these books, they're amazing books, uh, Anthony Robbins, Stephen Covey, but they're, they're very long. There's a lot of information in there, and it can be overwhelming to actually find what you need. And so um, what I started doing for myself was taking the best information I could find from those books about problem solving, about having a life that I wanted and how to deal with situations so they wouldn't you know, put me in a state of misery. I took the little nuggets from the book and I actually had a folder of just amazing advice, words of wisdom, things that I can do to get over problems quickly. I had a whole folder of the information and I thought, well, how can I remember all this stuff because there's so much? And that's how the tips were formed. All the information seemed to, seemed to fall under these four separate areas, which I call tips. And just by remembering the tip, I was able to know how to deal with the situation. And what, as a librarian, what I'm trying to do is, is get the, uh, do all the hard work for people, read all these books, get all the great information, put it in one simple format. The book's very short. It's only 100 pages, and it's very <coughs> easy to read. And hopefully by reading sort of about Dr. Phil or, or Anthony Robbins, or it'll spark their interest maybe to read on. But at least they will have learned the, the, the things that they should know for example, Stephen Covey, he categorizes problems into three different areas. He says all problems um, may look different on the surface, but they have, they're, they're, they're similar uh, on the inside. And he says there are three categories for problems. Once I learned the three categories, I found dealing with problems a lot easier. But I never oh. knew about the three categories because I never read the book before. And so <laughs> I put the three categories in the book. And so I'm hoping people will at least just get this nugget, this important stuff that they really, really must know and, and read about what these amazing authors have said and from that uh, start to, to, to work towards um, looking for solutions instead of feeling stuck in their problems and, and complaining in, about this and that to other people and feeling like there's no way out. You know, I love that you brought up the three different categories because I was going to talk to you about it. And, you know, I just want to mention to our, our listeners here that today's show, if you could have the best possible life journey by following simple tips, would you? My very special guest here, a fabulous author, a great book, Elizabeth Hanley, is joining me here today. And in the book, you know, in this idea, this no problem uh, book. Uh, the question becomes for a lot of folks is how do you weed through the mega pages that are out there in the self-help world? Well, guess what? She has done this for us. Over 200 self-help books she's gone through before she wrote No Problem. And then, you know, categorizing and summarizing this, I believe it's in the first half of your book, correct, Elizabeth? Um, yes, yes. And it's first yeah. half is just um, uh, the summary of all those self-help books. Yeah, but let me just say something. You say, oh, it's just a summary. Let me tell you what an enormous gift it is that you've done for people. You know, you have taken what is a seriously difficult job for a lot of people that have bought the book, bought the coaching, right, gone through it all, listened to all the audio tapes, and still, after all is said and done, difficulty in synthesizing it. What you did is do that for folks. And that, I have to tell you, is brilliant. 
It's brilliant. And congratulations to you. But the three categories of problems, I want, I want to talk about them. Can we do that for a minute? Because if you would ask me on the day that I got fired from this 25-year job, right? If you'd mm-hmm. ask, if you'd have said to me, you know what, your problem you got right there, that goes into one of these three categories. I'd have said, no way. I have a special problem. <laughs> but yes, they all they all feel special, don't they? <laughs> oh my God! You know, I had a problem over the weekend, and it felt special. But you know, when I went back to think about this. You are so right on. So let's talk about what these three categories are to give our listeners some information. Because I think if we see that we're not alone in the world, it helps us to then move ahead. Hmm. I mean, ideally, I wish people would read all these books, um, but unfortunately, (laughs) it's not going to happen. No. I mean, uh, families, if you have children, you have a job, I mean, you're lucky if you can brush your hair in the morning and, and, <laughs> and you know, and walk out looking half decent. Right. And so I can understand why people don't get time to read these books. And um, the three categories, as you said, they're from Covey, Stephen Covey. Um, these aren't, these, this is not stuff that I've invented. I just want to make that clear. It's information that I have sought through and I have read and I have put it in what I consider to be simple words, in my own words, in my own terms. But I have used, um, when I've used Covey's um, information, I have quoted him in the book. So you can tell what's me and what's Covey. But the three, the three categories um, that Covey uses, um, yes, we can go through that. Yes. Well, let's pick one. <laughs> you know, let's pick one to start. Because I think for a lot of folks, you, you know, we come from, at least here, we come from a society where, oh, my gosh, we can solve everything, Right. You know, if you put enough, if you put enough person hours into it and you bring enough people together, we can solve everything. But that's not the case. There are some problems, aren't there, that we actually do not have control over. Well, yes, um, Covey puts the, um, the problems into three categories and one category is direct control. The next category is called indirect control and the last category is called no control. And the reason why he uses control is because in each category, he enlightens us. He explains to us, when you look at the problem, look at how much control you have over this problem, and you will see your way to a solution. Now, one of my favorite ones is called the indirect control problem. And this is probably one of the biggest ones because that involves another person. So when you uh, have an argument with another person or you're not getting along with another person, maybe your children, your spouse, or or, um, someone at work, you you are in what Covey calls an indirect control problem. That means that you have some control, but you you can't, we all know we can't control another person. And I sometimes think women don't realize this when they're marrying someone, they think they can change them (laughs) once they get married. Yeah, yeah, only to find out, you know, marriage doesn't necessarily make the better man, so to speak. No, no, no. And this or was an eye for me because, yes, this was an eye-opener for me because when I realized um, I shouldn't be trying to change the other person to solve the problem because you can't solve a problem by trying to change someone because you can only change yourself, so that person can only change them. But what Kobe says is when you have a problem with another person, the best thing you can do is, and um, it's a motto that you've probably heard, and it's a famous one. He says, first seek, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And unfortunately, we don't do this because, I don't know, I mean, when you're upset, 
you just want you to get your own point of view across. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And you know, yeah. that's really, yeah. And, and I think what we're, we've discovered is that, you know, across boardrooms all over the world, but especially here, you know, he made an impact with that, you know, that idea. And he talks about what that means. He says, most of us are, we're not really listening. We're just waiting to talk. Exactly. And, that's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, and if we've just come on. And he all, says all something us- very interesting. Uh-huh. He says, um, um, with indirect control problems, the only thing you can do is you need to change yourself so you can cope with people who won't change. Mm. And this blew me away because I never thought of changing myself. I kept trying to change the other person. Mm. Well, <laughs> I, 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 it actually, yes. Uh, we just came through the holidays, and I think we all got a big dose of that around family and friends, right? I mean, this is, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, this is where you go through the holidays, and you're still wishing that the brother and the sister that you know you've had for a lot of years, you're still wishing they would show up differently. But then when they don't, you end up being frustrated. So tell us more yeah. about this idea of not changing other people, but changing ourselves, because that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, Stephen Covey talks about that, and, and, he, and he talks about what you said. First seek to understand, then to be understood. This will improve your influence. And this is really quite an amazing sort of concept that I, I took to very quickly. By trying to understand someone, you're actually increasing your influence over them, and we don't realize that because right. we're so gun-ho about getting our point of view across. We're right and they're wrong that we don't realize that we're just sort of um, – we're not getting anywhere. We're not, we're not getting towards a solution. We're just being stuck in the problem. But when you try to understand the other person, and you have to try to do this whether you want to or not, and that's the tricky bit. <laughs> when you're arguing with someone, you don't want to see their point of view because you're upset or you're angry. But when right. you try to understand the other person, you're actually influencing them and they don't even realize it because they're thinking, oh, okay, I'm feeling heard now. So, so they're talking, they're telling you their point of view, and it actually opens people up to listening to your point of view. So we have this sudden opening of communication that wasn't there before when the two parties were just banging their own view across. One of the things you talk about, and I want to talk about this with you today, um, uh, because you know I, I was sharing a couple of things on the show today. Today was my first day back um, from the extended uh, um, holiday season, uh, and I and I did my first show today, and, and and I was talking about 2013 and the year and so forth. But one of the things that I had looked at was preparing for your for this show tonight, this conversation with you. And one of the things you say is you talk about truth, and I and I would like to take a moment to to go down the road with you about this tip. This is one of the tips: face the truth to see solutions. Now, this is a juicy one, I think, in a yeah. lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Tell me. Tell me where this one came from. <laughs> well, actually, um, this comes from all the authors. They all talk about truth. And this is something yes. that's uh, very close to, to your philosophy, actually. Um, your book, um, Knock, Knock the Crust Off Your Life. Yes. It talks about um, limiting thoughts and actions and beliefs that, that you write about. Yes. This is what the truth is about. But unfortunately, we all hold on to false beliefs. And mm-hmm. when you hold on to a false belief, 
and you don't face the truth, you won't find a solution. And you may have heard Dr. Phil's famous, um, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, and, right. Um, this is this is very much what what you're about. Like when you talk about the seven principles of positive change, we need to get rid of the, the this, this this crust. And you call it the crust busting process. That's right. We need to get rid of all these false beliefs that are putting us in a situation that not only keeps us stuck in problems, it keeps us creating more problems. And unfortunately, we don't always see our false beliefs because we don't look at ourselves. We don't look at what we're doing, what we're believing, because some beliefs are so ingrained, we've had them for so long, that we assume, we believe that they're true when, in fact, they're not true. And, you know, I've joked about this. I mean, you got to have a little, uh, you got to have a little humor in your life, you know, and I come from an Italian family and, and I shared a couple of stories about growing up and, you know, having the famous meatball argument over one of the family <laughs> gatherings, right? It, it, it's oh, the meat. Good. i got to hear this. Well, you know, this talks exactly, when I was reading this uh, in, in the book, when I was reading about Face the Truth to, to See Solutions, I had to laugh. I had to laugh because, you know, imagine yourself sitting around a family table, right? And, you know, the, the head of the table in a traditional, right, uh, Italian family, the head of the family is the oldest male in the family that's living and breathing, right? Uh, yes. and, and the meatballs come out. And the yes. comment is made about the meatballs, right, that the yes. meatballs don't have enough salt, and it's not quite said like that, but you understand, you get the, the gist of it. Right. They don't have yeah. enough salt. And, and the argument then begins between uh, yeah. the matriarch and the patriarch, right? And uh, the yeah. argument begins, I make these meatballs the same way every time, right? This argument yeah. goes on, and, and, and you have to understand this, right? The meatballs don't get passed around the table because <laughs> the head of the family has got the meatballs, has tasted the meatballs. and they, So this is such an easy solution, right? And it really yeah. talks to what you're saying. Because if my grandma would have simply acknowledged the meatballs didn't have enough salt and went and got the salt shaker right? Took the meatballs yes. back into the kitchen, right? The whole big thing of them. Yes. Taking them, put a little salt on them, would have been the end of the conversation. 20 minutes this went on back and forth about the meatballs. And yes. I remember this because I was a little child, but it really does talk to what you're saying. I know that's kind of a funny story about that, but we do this every day. It's so yes. difficult for us to face ourselves. I mean, even if it is about a meatball, it's so hard because we think we've done something wrong. Yes. Well, it's hard to admit you're wrong. And um, I found, um, at the, when, I, when I, I've been married for over 10 years, and at first I really found it hard to admit when I was wrong about an <laughs> argument. But I would suck it up and apologize every time I was wrong. Now, I'm oh. smart now. I really pick my battles. I don't argue until I know I'm right. No. <laughs> but it's hard to admit you're wrong because it's an ego thing. Um, it's hard for our ego. And that happens to everyone, and it's hard to overcome that. But the thing is, you, if you don't face the truth, if you, if you don't, um, like, um, the other solution would have been she could have said, like, put salt on it yourself then if you want more salt. Right. That would have been a real simple <laughs> solution. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, but because she was the cook, it, 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 it was insulting her, you know, the time she spent making the meatballs, insulting her cooking, and she didn't want to admit that she'd made a mistake. And that's understandable, but, I mean, that was a small issue, but sometimes the issues can be a lot larger. But um, you're right, we, we have to face the truth, and it can be difficult to face the truth. And so with the truth tip, I've, I've just got it down to the bone, to the simplest questions you can ask yourself to see if you're facing the truth. So when you read the truth quiz, tip, I should say, <laughs> and ask yourself the questions in the truth tip, you will see whether you're facing the truth. Now, whether you want to continue to face the truth or not, that's your choice, but you will see what's going on. Well, let's talk about the advantages and disadvantages to this, because I think, you know, our human nature is to go to the place of least amount of pain in a lot of ways. And if we realize, yeah, I mean, part of the idea of not facing the truth, we think that's the easy way out. And we don't think it's, it, 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 we think it's the least resistance. And in fact, it just prolongs the, the, a situ, any situation, really, when we don't face the truth. We, we kind of collude to the idea of a lie of sort in our lives. And so it's hard to but, even figure that out. It is hard. There's an author, Susan Jeffers. Have you heard of her? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes. One of, one of the first books I've ever read, yes. right. She talks about truth and facing facing pain, and she says that the fear of pain is actually worse than going through pain. And that was just amazing to me, and she's right. When we fear doing something, it's actually worse than if we just bite the bullet and do it, because then the pain's over. You know, if your grandmother had just admitted, you know, there's not enough salt, everybody puts salt, it would have been a two-minute conversation. But she didn't want to... Uh, Yeah. A two-minute conversation, which actually, by the way, I don't want to take this whole show to talk about what happened, but that 20-minute back and forth ended up, really, with the whole family that ate the meatballs the entire dinner was an argument from different people as to whether or not the meatballs had enough salt in them. I mean, it's funny. If you've ever watched a comedy about Italian dinners and family, this would have been it. I mean, I could sit here and laugh about it, you know, looking you know, they back. Have done an Everyone Loves Raymond episode on that. <laughs> oh, exactly. But here we are in our lives, right? And, you know, I, I, I did go through that experience of losing my job. And, you know, I was six months away from a full pension. And, you know, oh. and it was really difficult. Today, people are faced with a wide range of problems and situations uh, like that. You know, let's talk about how what you've discovered in your book can help people through a wide range of problems. You know, people that are on the verge of losing their homes or that have had to file bankruptcy or that their health is failing and they don't have health insurance. Let's talk about this for a minute because these are real situations. Yes. No, they are real problems, and, and it's important to, 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 to talk about real problems because mm-hmm. that's what life's about. Now, mm-hmm. the things like people who are facing um, their homes being uh, foreclosed by the banks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was watching a show on Oprah. Um, it was some years ago, but um, I, found, I learned something interesting, that a lot of people didn't go to their bank and try to negotiate. They just sort of packed up and left. So mm-hmm. they didn't face the problem. They ran off. And this is, this is, this is not a solution. And this, this is what I mean by when something bad happens, you need to sort of, and if you can't deal with the pain yourself, get help. 
but if they had gone to the bank, and a lot of people did go to who went to the bank or who went to the courts, actually saved their homes. But mm-hmm. they faced the problem, and it wasn't comfortable for them, and it wasn't easy for them. But but on the Oprah show, was, um, they said a lot of people just left home overnight, just packed their stuff and left, and they didn't they didn't do what I call was focusing on solutions. They thought, oh, look, the bank's going to take our house. We can't do anything. Let's leave. That's not a solution. That's running away. And so what we need to do when we run into a real-life problem, the first feeling is going to be negative, and you're going to run, want to run away from that feeling, as you said, because it's easier to, to run away than to go through negative feelings. But we need to look at the problem We need to know that, okay, I've got to put up with this negative feeling just for a little while and look at how I can work towards a solution. And once you get out of that negative feeling, it's amazing how working towards a solution can happen for you. Another example is, um, this is also uh, on one of the shows, I watch a lot of US TV. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious, this couple like you, he was close to um, retirement. He had lost his job. And you know what they did? They bought champagne. They celebrated that this was a new direction. They were going to have a new start in their careers. This is going to be a new day. And everybody on the Oprah show was looking at each other thinking, this is weird. And he got a job not long after, a better job. His attitude was so different to many people. He saw the solution as, uh, look, I'm going to do something different with my life. I'm going to focus on what's good. A bit like your seven practices of, of positive change, looking at what's good. And that's one thing we never do. Have you ever asked yourself what is good about this problem? Well, you know, I, I do now. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. you, you know, think about this. Ten years doing positive talk radio, starting this out exactly. when nobody was really doing it, and 6,000 books later, I better start to ask that question, don't you think? <laughs> and, you, and you feel better, don't you? Even, I, like, even... I know when something goes wrong, I ask yeah. myself that question, and there's a couple of other questions in the book. There's a, there's a lot of questions in the book that mm-hmm. I use, and I the negative feeling just it just diminishes. So yes. I just feel a lot better, and I, I think this is going to be okay. You know, and it's you're so right about it. I mean, there are a lot of things that I think we can we can look at from one point of view or another. And what I think I, I think you're talking about, and I think that it's taken me a lot of years to discover, is in in a nanosecond of reacting and responding to something, I get to choose my response. And I didn't really get that until I started this particular leg of my journey. I didn't get. Yes that I'm the one that has the power to decide how I respond. What have you found out in what you've you know, researched, and what do you talk about in the book about that? Well, this is again from Stephen Covey. He talks about um, responsibility, your, choose, your ability to respond. And um, it's just amazing some of the things in his book. And I've taken all that great information and put it in, in, in the No Problem book. And he, he talks about how we don't realize how our response dictates whether we go into a worse situation or whether we, we go towards a solution. And the, the, the thing is, and I, and I think everybody can understand this, it's hard when you feel negative to respond well. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so, but when you have like a strategy, and I use my four simple tips as my strategy. So when I'm feeling negative, the first thing I do is I, I pick one of my tips and I think which tip is going to help me get out of this negative rut, which tip is going to change my focus. And actually in the what I call is the define tip, 
Um, there's things called thought breakers, and I use them quite often. So what it does is it stops you know, my negativity snowballing, getting bigger and bigger. I use a thought breaker, and it just, it just totally channels me to another direction. So I can stop this, this problem getting, blowing out of proportion, making mountains out of molehills in my head. And um, the other, the, the, uh, um, there are some other sort of strategies in the book that you can use. And it's really important if we can just get hold of this first step, and that's what I hope the book will do for people, move them out of the negative sort of reaction that they will have into um, taking responsibility and, and, and taking action towards looking for a solution. Well, one of the things you just talked about, I think, is so important, and and that is this this idea of of, of what you just said. Because uh, don't you find this so interesting? It seems to take us quite some time to learn the tips and tools that you've put in here to stop our minds, but yet. It is in a nanosecond that we can go from a smile and a joyful moment to having a spiral downhill to gloom and doom. I mean, we can yeah. get we can get down there faster than you know. As my mom says, you could shake a stick at it, right? Why is it so easy to go in that direction and harder to go in the other direction for some folks? Well, have you have you ever heard of anyone going to a psychologist or or a psychiatrist because um, they have they, they're having problems being positive? <laughs> I mean, sorry, they're having problems being negative. I got that around the wrong way. Nobody goes to a psychologist saying, "Oh, look, I can't be negative. I've tried as much as I, much as I can, and it just it just doesn't happen to me." What that says to you is that we are naturally negative. As humans, we react negatively naturally. It's like a default thing. We can't, we can't do that much about our initial reaction. Um, we just react negatively to problems because they're not nice. They cause pain. They cause misery. And it's easy to... It's like um, keeping your house tidy. Is it easier to keep it tidy or let it go uh, into a mess? Obviously, it's easier to let it go into a mess. Well, you know, the, I'm telling yeah. you, I wasn't going to say anything about that one because I know you're right about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so easier to it, just... Yeah. yeah. Just throw your dishes it's, it's, in the sink. Nature. If you look at nature, you know when you see those manicured English gardens? Yes. That's not what nature looks like. Nature's like, if you go to the rainforest, it's a mess. Yes. And, I mean, that's what life's about. We will go into a bit of a negative state when things go wrong because that's part of our being. It's part of being, you know, having negative good times and having bad times. But the important thing is knowing how to get out of that state. And when you have a simple strategy, and my strategy is the four tips, then I, I, I get out of that state a lot quicker than I used to before I learned all these amazing lessons from these authors. Like I would be upset for days over something my husband said you know, years ago. But now he says something and I'm like, mm, why did he say that? Did I do something or what was the conversation leading to this? And I, I talked to him. I said, why did you say that? And in five minutes we've, we figured it out. Whereas before, I just used to get upset and let things blow out of proportion in my mind and get offended. Whereas now, I just I realize, oh well, okay, let's I'm going to look at this and, and see what's really going on. 
Well, so, uh, you know, let's talk about this. I want to just make sure that everybody out there uh, knows that uh, we're talking today with my very special guest, Elizabeth Hanley. The book is No Problem, How to Focus on Solutions. Uh, And the book is available on Amazon. And is there a best place you'd like to uh, send people? I know I, uh, when I looked on Amazon, Amazon was uh, running out of the book, just so you guys know. Uh, but there is more on the way. Uh, what is the best website to find out more about you and about uh, about the book? Our website is um, www.noproblembook.com. So noproblembook.com is um, great. Is pro- uh, probably easy to remember, I think. <laughs> yes. But, um, and also, I mean, you can order in your bookstores. We have a distributor, so if you went to your local bookstore and asked them, I'm, I'm sure they could order it in for you. Okay. Um, I, I want to talk to you about the book cover f- for a minute. Uh, I bet you didn't think I was going to ask you about the book cover, did you? No, actually, you're the first one. I've had okay. all these interviews and no one's mentioned the cover, and I'm thinking, oh. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. I, okay, maybe it's just me, but every time I look at the book cover, I can't help but smile. Well, that's I, I mean, you should see my face right now because I brought, you know, I've got, the, I got the, the got in front of me, right? But you know, if you go on and you know, I, I, I looked at Amazon earlier today just to make sure there were still books in stock and so forth. But you know, I go there and I look at that and I can't help but smile. And and it's so interesting because the book is called No Problem, and then there's this like big smiley thing, right? That we've all come to know and love. I have to ask you. How did you do this? How did you pick this cover? Tell me a little bit about this. Well, you know the, the saying, no problem. You know when you go to a restaurant or you go to a supermarket and something goes wrong and you go up to the person in yeah. charge and they say, oh, we'll fix this, no problem. It always makes yeah. you feel good after you hear those words because you think, oh, okay, it's going to be okay. Someone's fixing it, you know. And I right. sort of thought, wouldn't that be great if every time I ran into a problem, I could say to myself, no problem, it'll be okay. Even if I didn't know exactly what the solution was going to be, I just wanted that feeling, you know, that feeling like, you know, I've lost my job, but no problem, it'll be okay. And I know that sounds a bit bit unrealistic, but it actually, for me, it works because things do go wrong. And I have, now that I've written a book and I used to work as a librarian, I have a lot more problems now than I did then. Because, you know, I mean, the more you do, you know, the more problems come into your life because you're doing more. No kidding. Yeah. and um, I just, I just, I just say no problem, and it's amazing the way things just work out. I, all I know is I know that I'm going to find a solution, and I know by, by using what I know, like using the tips, that I will work towards a solution. And I have to tell you, I've been astounded. Things just work out because I'm not in that negative. You know, when you get that negative feeling, things are going to go wrong. You're right. actually causing more problems for yourself. Well, I, I mean, yeah. By being miserable, you actually create more of that. I mean, that really talks to the to the law of attraction in, in a lot of ways that a lot of folks didn't understand it. But, you know, we've learned about the law of attraction from, you, you know, misery loves company, right? I mean, that, yes. that, that exp- and by the way, you attract more of it. And we always wonder, oh, my God, why is everyone around me so negative, right? Have you heard people say that? Well, rarely will you hear somebody say, oh, my gosh, why are all the people around me so happy? Because those folks 
<laughs> yeah, those folks don't really talk about it, but there is a natural flow of things. And I think that's what you're saying in the book. If there was, let me ask you this question because I'm so, I just, I'm so blown away by all the research you've done on this. Um, did you have any aha, I mean, aha moments where you came across something, something that somebody wrote, maybe one of the less known authors, and you said to yourself, that little nugget is worth its weight in gold? Or was it just that there were so many things? Well, the thing is, um, because, I mean, ironically, as a librarian, I was a bit skeptical about self-help books. I mean, I have to be honest. <laughs> you know, I'd sort of, I'd, I mean, you think, the thing is, some of them are like, like Anthony Robbins, and I love, love reading him, but he was 500 pages. And I remember when I first started reading at the, when I got to the middle, I'd forgot what I read at the beginning. So it was like, what was the point? And so right. to me... Um, to me, the, the most important thing to me is when I was reading the book is to get, uh, I got, uh, what I did is I wrote down all my aha moments. I wrote down, this really affected me. This really helped me. And that's what I put into the No Problem book. Things that I thought, if I had known this 10 years ago, <laughs> this would have been great. Because these books have amazing information. But unfortunately, you can't remember them all. And there's so much of it, which is which is a big problem with with the self-help industry. There's just too much information out there sometimes. And so um, what I got for myself was things that I knew that if I if I took these lessons and 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 kept them in mind when things went wrong, that um, problems wouldn't be wouldn't be such a, a you know they just wouldn't affect me the way they used to, and they don't because. To me, the four simple tips encompassed the aha moments that I got when I was reading and researching all this. So what I tried to do was um, the thing like when Stephen Covey talked about the three categories. I thought, oh, this is amazing. Right. And every time I have a problem, I actually put it in the categories automatically now in my head. And I know, I know how to get to a solution. Uh, and so, and what, what I'm saying is I know how to get to a solution doesn't mean it happens in five minutes. But I know I feel confident it's going to work out, and I, I know what I'm doing is the right thing to do to get there. And things like Anthony Robbins, um, his his idea of how to take control of the problem. You know, the idea of owning a problem doesn't sound like much fun, does it? No, and you know, the oh, and to, no. to hear it, to, to hear somebody say it, right? Because you know, a lot of this, you know, one of my favorite books is. Um, uh, and I've interviewed him, Don Miguel uh, Ruiz, and his book, The Four Agreements. And oh, yes, yes, yes. One of my favorite books. I mean, this book became so popular that they start to put this book in our high schools and some yes. of the uh, other inst- you know, some of the other um, schools for children around the country. And what they found was was that the the four principles in the book, the four agreements, when you read them, are so simple. For example, be impeccable with your word. What they found out, though, was that even though the principles are simple, implementing them was agony for people. Uh, Uh, That's the key, yes. That's the key. And so I think that what you're saying here is so helpful because, you know, you've identified these tips and we don't have to agonize over getting helps, help, you know, in the way that you've identified it to change our lives. Now, the four agreements by itself, I, you know, I looked at it more as a credo. 
than a self-help book. I mean, philosophically, what's in that book is a higher order of how to live, right? You know, it was more of that and less of, what do I want to say, Uh, uh, self-help, you know, a a million principles to succeed or something, right? Yes, yes, yes. Why was this yeah, what I wanted to achieve in this book was mm-hmm. um, I knew that was the stumbling block because um, friends would come to me and say, look, this is happening in my life. I don't know what to do. And I would say to them, read this book, and they wouldn't read it. So I'd say to them, read this chapter, and they still wouldn't read it. So what I would do is I'd, I'd explain to them what the chapter was about, and I'd say, do this, and they would actually do it because right. it's easier to be verbally told something. Now, unfortunately, we can't all have like people like Dr. Phil in our lives who can sit there and, and put the dots together for us. So what I've done in this book, and all you have to do is read the tips once because it's so clear, they're so simple, and they're so easy to remember that you, once you know what the tips are, you will know what to do. And in the second half of the book, there's actually a guide, and you can actually sit down, and it's just a few questions, and you answer the questions, and it'll make you see the problem differently and help you work towards solutions. So I didn't just want it to be reading. There's actually a practical aspect where you can start to work on the problem, whether you've lost your job, you're not getting along with your spouse, you know, your kids are driving you up the wall. It's actually um, the questions are just basic. They're easy to um, read. And, you, and all you have to do is answer them honestly. And it's amazing you will see solutions. And we actually tested this on 100 people. We gave them the, the problem-solving guide, and every one of them found a solution to their problem. This is really what I consider the new wave of what's needed. And I'm seeing this, Elizabeth, more and more. And thank you so much for doing this. I mean, thank you for putting a book out that actually is meeting the culture where it is. And what I mean by that is you're right. And I think you talked to this early on. You said we're all living busy lives. Um, anybody that can even, it's hard to even get through an audio tape anymore of a book. I mean, we all now have these digital Kindles and this and that. Uh, Come on. Is anybody have the time to sit there and actually read this? And so what you've done is brilliant. People really want to know, look, I don't want to sit here in misery. I want to know how to change my life. Because not everyone could do what you did. Not everyone has the opportunity to do it. And thank you for doing all the hard work for us. Well, thank you so much for your comments. I really appreciate it. And also, the the other thing with the book is if you don't want to read the first half, which is actually just um, how the tips are formed and what authors they came from, you can do the guide. The guide is self-sufficient. It'll take you through the tips, ask you the questions, and you'll still see solutions to problems. Well, I, I I agree with you, and that's why, for those of you out there, that's why there is only a couple of these left in Amazon, but more are on the way. Lots of places to get the book, no problem, how to focus on solutions. Elizabeth Hanley, my very special guest today. Elizabeth, this has been so fun and awesome. Thank you so, so very much. And, and I have one uh, other question I'd like to ask you, uh, and it's a question that I love to ask all of my guests and and that is your personal message what is your personal message what do you want to leave us all with as we embark on what some people are calling the happy year 2013 what do you want to leave us with today 
My personal message is please, please, please don't drag your old problems into the new year. Oh. Do something, take action, and find what you need to find to move towards a solution. Because the new year is full of promise, it's full of hope, it's full of a life that can be the dream, you know, the life of your dreams, but only if you get the information you need to, to move in that direction. Wow. I love that message. Thank you so much. And now you've presented us with some phenomenal tools to help us. Um, take one more minute, if you don't mind, and let people know about the website and the places they can get a copy of your book. Okay. Well, yes, um, Amazon is probably the easiest place um, in the U.S. And um, also, if you want to have a look at more information about the book, it's um, noproblembook.com. And as I said before, we have a distributor, so you can go to your local bookstore and ask them to order the book. And I have to thank you very much. This has been an amazing way to start 2013 being on your show. And I've really enjoyed this, and um, I hope and wish you and your family and everyone in Seattle um, a very, very happy, healthy, prosperous 2013. Well, thank you very much. And every time you go to bite down on a meatball, I want you to think of me. Oh, I will. I love that story. <laughs> that is a great story. I have to use that one. Thanks you for know, thank you so much, and thank you for making me smile. Thank you for making all of us thank smile, you. and thank you for giving us some hope in action. Everyone out there, Elizabeth Hanley, the book is no problem. Uh, you can Google it. You'll find it. You can go to Amazon. You can buy it. Um, this is a book that you're going to want as one of your go-to books for 2013. Thank you, Elizabeth for making this year kickoff a lot easier than it could have been. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Pat. All of you out there, get ready, fasten your seatbelt, get ready for the joy ride of your life, at least from us. We are going to be kicking it up this year. It is our 10th year anniversary, doing what I love and helping hoping and making sure that we all get the tools that a lot of us didn't have growing up. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on the show. Transformation Talk Radio offer a positive and new paradigm shift, a new vision for a collective future. They are empowering and helping all of us experience a powerful wave of personal shifts and cultural change as we break through to even greater levels of awareness. Take down our toll-free number, 1-800-930-2819. 
Call in, connect, make sure you tap into some of the world's most empowering psychics, healers, and more. Get an on-air reading with the best. Tune in, TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, we'll see you there.